can open your Bible or your Bible app to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. This is a story that we're all familiar with. If you ever went to Sunday school for very long, if you ever went to a vacation Bible school, you probably heard the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Whether or not you even believe the Bible, you can probably tell the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And it's a story that is exceedingly pertinent to our lives today. And sometimes we overlook it because it has been kind of trivialized and cutesified in our Sunday school classes so that we just think about it as a children's story and we don't realize how important it is for us today. Now, we know, as I mentioned to you last week, a lot of the uh, dates of this book because the Bible gives us some points. You know, this happened in the first year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Then Darius the, the Mede took over. So we know those dates. We know when the Babylonian Empire began. We know when the last verse of chapter 5 happened, when Darius the Mede took over the kingdom. Uh, and we know that during that period of time, when it began, Daniel was a teenager. We know how long the Babylonian Empire lasted. We know the first year of Darius the Medes rule. And just doing a little bit of basic math, Daniel in chapter 6 is at the youngest in his mid-70s and is probably closer to 80. So all of our Sunday school teachers need to redo uh, all of their... Uh, Sunday school lessons, all their artwork. It's not a little boy in the lion's den. It's not a teenager in the lion's den. It's an old man in the lion's den. He's in at least his 70s, probably his 80s. But before we get to the lion's den, you know, and that's one of the challenges of, of reading the Bible and teaching and studying the Bible, is we want to get right to the familiar part. And, and we miss what led up to it and therefore a lot of times miss some tremendous insights. Yes, this is a great story because God protected Daniel in the lion's den. But it may be helpful for some of us to realize that Daniel was where he was in part, not just because of his faith in God, but because of some pretty vicious office politics that went on. If you ever were in the workplace, you ran into office politics. The sad thing is, office politics are nothing compared to church office politics. And it may be at some point in your life, you have gotten wrapped up in office politics. That's what's happening in Daniel chapter 6. Starting in verse 1. This is now Darius the Mede. Nebuchadnezzar's dead has been for some time, now it's Darius the Mede. And he appoints 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, so that the king might not suffer loss. 
Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That did not set well with the other administrators and the 120 satraps. And so at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And what a, what a job recommendation, right? He was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And that got him thinking. When you find yourself enmeshed in office politics, you will find that people who are out to get you for whatever reason, and in Daniel's case, it wasn't because he was a bad guy, it was because he was a good guy, and his exceptional qualities led to his promotion. And so their jealousy caused them to say, there's got to be a way that we can get him in trouble. And so in verse 6, these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. You know, when have you ever noticed when somebody's out to cause trouble, they get all their allies together. We've all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now there's how to stroke somebody's ego. <laughs> For the next 30 days, nobody can pray to anybody but you. Now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. The Medes and Persians had a law that if there was a law put in writing, it could not be repealed. No such thing as executive orders in the law of the Medes and Persians to undo the next thing. Now they said, once it's written, it's written. So they come up with this ingenious plan. We know that Daniel is going to pray to his God, so let's set him up. King, he can only pray to you. King said, that sounds like a good idea, signs the decree. Verse 10, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So he went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human except you will be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Aha, we got it. Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, Order the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel 
and made every effort until sundown to save him. That says something about Darius, and it says something about Daniel. Darius has just started to rule, but he has already learned that Daniel is a trustworthy man, and now, uh-oh, I didn't mean to do this, but he's in trouble because of something I did. I like that, though. He made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, that's another great character quality, isn't it? The God who you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Poor guy. <laughs> He realized he's been manipulated by these people for the sole purpose of getting rid of Daniel, and he wonders, is it going to happen? The king seemed to be much more distressed about this than Daniel was. We don't read about Daniel losing sleep. So now we get to the part of the story that we all know. Verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? <laughs> I wonder if Daniel waited a minute to make him nervous. I don't think so. I think Daniel was a better person than that. But Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angels, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. Darius figured out where his bread was buttered. And at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Be careful when you start messing with God's people. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth that basically says, I issued a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. We like that story. It's a good story. I thought about calling it the lions in Daniel's den because it seemed that once Daniel got to the den, it was his den and the lions were just visiting. But as I mentioned earlier, it's important to remember Daniel did not get in trouble because he was a bad guy. He got in trouble because he was a good guy. And it's also important through this story and how it ends to realize that as much as we would like to avoid <coughs> trials and adversity avoiding it is not always nearly as beneficial as overcoming tests and trials and adversity because Daniel overcoming 
the lion's den led to not only his faith being vindicated, the religion of Israel was vindicated. The king realized who the real God was and ordered everybody to serve him. And the truth is proclaimed throughout the entire Medo-Persian Empire. None of that would have happened if Daniel had not ended up in the lion's den. So if you're in the middle of the lion's den today, if you're in the middle of tests and trials and struggles, just remember the last chapter hasn't been written yet, and God will give glory from your faithfulness to him. And Daniel said it, an angel came down, shut the lion's mouth, there was no wound found on him, no scratch found on him. It's important to remember that God does not just reign over his people. God reigns over lions too. You know, God rules. Everything is under his control. We need to remember that. So the next time you're outmaneuvered in office politics, just take heart, trust God, he's got your back. Now when we study this, you may wonder where are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Now remember, in chapter 1, they were teenagers. In chapter 3, when they ended up in the fiery furnace, they were about 40. We called them the three Hebrew middle-aged men. Well, where were they here? Why aren't they included in this story? Well, remember, we studied this last week. Daniel was headquartered in the capital. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were sent out other places throughout the province. But... I think the main difference is this. This was not a plan targeted to all Jews. This was a plan targeting Daniel. And, and it didn't, it, the, the, they didn't say, oh, we're going to get rid of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were wanting to get rid of Daniel because he was getting ready to be everybody's boss and rule over the whole empire. And so this was a very targeted attack at Daniel. But at any rate, we've got to study Daniel, and we've got to study the den, and then we've got to study the devil. The character of Daniel, we've mentioned it, talks about him being exceptional, talks about him serving God continually. Daniel impacted four major world leaders. When he's taken into Babylonian captivity, <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar is the king. When Nebuchadnezzar dies, a couple of his sons rule for a little bit, don't do anything of any significance. In fact, they're not even mentioned in the book of Daniel. You have to go to other history to even find them. But then you have Belshazzar, who continues the reign. Belshazzar's mentioned. Belshazzar's claim to fame was the writing on the wall. I'm sure you've heard the phrase or used the phrase, the writings on the wall. What you may not know is that comes from the book of Daniel. When Belshazzar's having this great party to celebrate, and all of a sudden this hand appears and starts writing on the wall. Your days are numbered. The kingdom's about to be delivered over to the Medes and Persians. And that's the end of chapter 5. And that very night, Belshazzar is slain, and Darius the Mede takes over. And that's the beginning of the Medo-Persian Empire. And then after Darius dies, Cyrus takes over. And David, or Daniel, impacts 
all four of those world leaders. That's an astonishing influence. And it wasn't because he'd read a book on five easy steps to influence kings. It's what somebody called a long obedience in the same direction. Daniel stayed faithful to God. And because of his faithfulness to God, God was able to use him to impact the Babylonian Empire and the Medo-Persian Empire. Incredible influence because of the character of Daniel. Then you've got to notice his courage. So the rule comes down, you can't pray to anybody but the king. He goes home and just quietly ignores it. I think it's important to realize that Daniel didn't start hiding, but neither did he start making a big deal of things. He just went on quietly doing the normal pattern of his worship. So three times a day, he faces Jerusalem, his windows are open toward Jerusalem, and he prays toward Jerusalem. Why would he do that? Well, Jerusalem, you remember, is where the temple was. It symbolized God's presence. And in 1 Kings chapter 8 and other places, the, the prayer is, Lord, hear the prayer of your people when they pray toward this place. And so Jews would pray facing Jerusalem so that they could say, Lord, I'm, I'm recognizing that's where your presence is, is represented there at the temple. And he did it three times a day because that was a very common practice of, of the Jews of the day. Psalm 55, 17, David said, Morning, noon, and night, I plead aloud in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. So David wasn't trying to hide anything. But Daniel, I keep calling him David, don't I? Daniel wasn't trying to hide anything, but neither did he make a big deal of it. He didn't go out on the streets and say, you said I couldn't pray to anybody but the king. Watch me. I'm going to pray to my God and you can't do anything about it. No indication of that. Just went about his normal routine, his normal pattern of worshiping God. The scripture says he did it just as he had done before. Boy, that's convicting. Isn't it? <laughs> Keep doing what you've done before in faithful service to God. And that's his consecration. He opens his windows toward Jerusalem and prays. I, I gotta tell you, I think maybe I'd have closed my windows and maybe even pulled the drapes. You know, I'd still be facing Jerusalem, but Lord, I, I, you know, we pray to get out of the lion's den. Daniel prayed to get into the lion's den. So, good old Daniel, man, what a man of character. Now, we get to the den. Because God did not spare Daniel from the lion's den. He had to go in. Just as the three Hebrew children had to go into the fire, Daniel had to go into the lion's den. God never guaranteed that the going will not get rough, but the promise is, I will be with you. That's why we're calling this faith for the lion's den. It's the assurance that God will be with us. What is your lion's den? You may be in a lion's den now. Things just aren't going right. Things aren't going well. It may be your faith has gotten you in a, decision, in a situation that threatens you, but it may be the lion's den of 
financial problems or physical affliction or mental and emotional attack or any number of things that could be your lion's den. There are two basic truths about the Christian life that we need to remember. You don't have to be perfect to have God's blessings on your life. I think a lot of times we think we do. But you don't have to be perfect to have God's blessings on your life. However, you do have to be obedient to what you know to do. John in 1 John 1, 7 talks about walking in the light. Jesus in John 14, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be obedient. So what do you do when you get into the lion's den? Let, let's look at some do's and don'ts for the lion's den. If you're in the lion's den today, hopefully this will be helpful to you. First of all, some don'ts when you find yourself in the lion's den. Don't decide that the Bible isn't true. Sometimes when we come face to face with the lions, we, Satan will cause us to doubt whether the Bible is really true. That's why it's so important, we emphasized last week the, from the three Hebrew middle-aged men, Hebrews, or Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, where they say to the king, you've got a fiery furnace, we know that. We know you can put us in there. We also know God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're still going to be true to him. And we need some of those but if he doesn't in our lives. That even in the midst of the heartaches and sorrows and valleys and challenges of life, don't decide the Bible isn't true. And don't decide you're a failure. So many times I've talked to people through the years who are going through difficult times and the devil has got them convinced that it's their fault and that God doesn't love them, God doesn't care about them. No, sometimes you did exactly everything that God wanted you to do and you still end up in the lion's den. There was no fault found in Daniel's character, but he still ended up in the lion's den. The king spent all day trying to find some kind of magic escape. There was none. And we need to understand, even in the tests and trials of life, don't decide that you're a failure. Don't let the devil tell you, oh, God must really be mad at you or you wouldn't be going through this. You must have done some terrible thing somewhere and God's punishing you for it. Don't listen to those lies of the devil. And don't depend on man. The king couldn't help Daniel here. The king had the power to take his life, but he didn't have the power to save his life. And we need to understand that our answer does not come from people. Those are The people are not the solution. God's the solution. God did not give some kind of special thing to the king where he said, Oh, I know. There's this other rule, you know, subsection 85, paragraph 3, line C. It says, I can revoke this if I want to. There was no escaping. There was no magic shortcut to keep Daniel from the lion's den. Just as there was no magic shortcut when Jesus faced the cross. And there's no magic shortcut for us when we face trials too. 
Because God doesn't always give us a remedy for trials, but he reveals a purpose for them in our lives. So don't give up on yourself. And don't depend on other people to try to get you out of the trouble that you're in. Trust God and hold on to the faith. So what should you do when you head into the lion's den? Well, you keep an excellent spirit. Uh, verses 21 and 22. The, the night in the lion's den did not make Daniel bitter. He kept his excellent spirit about it. May the king live forever. God sent his angel. There's no... Daniel saying, you know, you were going to promote me to be in charge of the whole province, and now look what you did to me. I can't believe no, none of that. Just <laughs> kept an excellent spirit. <laughs> That's hard, isn't it? When, when everything's going against you, to keep the right spirit. Robert Schuller, among other things, said, trials will either make you better or bitter. And we all know people who've gone through stuff and become bitter. Daniel came through stuff and become better. How are you doing? How am I doing? And the tests and trials of life. Keep an excellent spirit. Stay faithful. I mentioned that phrase, a long obedience in the same direction. Stay faithful. Remember this faithfulness to God began back in chapter 1, resolving not to defile himself with the king's meat. Now, he's facing the lion's den if he continues to pray to God. Stay faithful faithful. When you study the people God used through the pages of scripture and throughout church history, you'll find a consistent quality is their faithfulness. Abraham waiting 25 years for the son of promise. Joseph being sold into slavery and lied on and falsely imprisoned, stayed faithful. Job going through everything he did, stayed faithful. The lion's den is not the place to turn your back on God. You know? but, but sometimes when we're going through tests and trials, the human reaction is to kind of pull away from God. You know, I've told you before about the old Quaker who prayed, God, I'm not surprised you have so few friends seeing how you treat the ones you do have. You know? And sometimes we feel that way. You know, God, that heathen next door is prospering and doing great, and I'm barely getting through. Something not right here. And when we go through the lion's den experiences of life, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves saying, I really don't feel like going to church today, and I really don't feel like reading the Bible, and I really don't feel like praying. It doesn't seem to do much good. You know, and, and we start backing away. No, you stay faithful in the lion's den and keep praying. It's almost too late to start praying when you get into the lion's den, but for goodness sake, don't stop praying when you get there either and give God the glory. When you get through it all, you do as Daniel said, my God sent his angel and he protected me. Now I was thinking about Daniel in the lion's den and realized that even though up to this point, to my knowledge, none of us has been thrown to the lions as many Christians were in the end of the first century under Nero. But I remembered 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. 
I heard preachers say they're being certain parts of the world and they're preaching the gospel and, and people there are saying, aren't we in the tribulation period? You know, because things have been so intense for them that they're convinced they're in the middle of the tribulation period. And Peter's saying, the family of believers around the world going through a lot worse than you are. So you resist the devil and you stay firm in your faith because you're not alone in this. You do have an adversary. The devil is as a roaring lion trying to find somebody for lunch. Don't be surprised in the lion's den. Now I wanted to kind of end to say, you know, hooray for God, hooray for Daniel, no problems, everything's great. But then I realized that in fairness to the scripture and in an honest acknowledgement of the reality of life, it's important that I give you the balancing truth to the story of Daniel. I can't close this lesson and allow you to think that every time you come through a trial, you're going to come through it unscathed. That every time you walk through the fire, it's not going to be a problem. Every time you face a lion, there's not going to be a problem. I can't let you leave here believing that. Because there is a balance in truth. And it's the truth of Hebrews chapter 11. If you have a Bible or the Bible app, I, I wish you would turn there so that you could not just hear me read it, but you could see it for yourself. Because this is a critical truth as we study the lion's dens that you and I encounter in life. Hebrews chapter 11. You know that's the great faith chapter. Here's all the great heroes of the faith. And then in verse 35, the thing shifts. There were others, the King James says, and others, who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some, again the King James, and others, faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. That sounds like God's mad at them, doesn't it? Sounds like something's wrong. Why didn't they get the deliverance that the others in that chapter of faith did? But here's what God's valuation of them was. The world was not worthy of them. Oh, let that sink in. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Now, if you're reading along the faith chapter, the great, you know, Abraham and Sarah giving birth when he's 100, and all these great miracles, and the Jericho wall, and everything going on, all these great miracles, you would think, if you're sawn in two and have to live in a hole in the ground, you must not have had much faith. <clears throat> and if you listen to some preachers today, that's what they would lead you to believe. <clears throat> but Hebrews 11 says, they were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us 
would they, make, would they be made perfect? See, sometimes God shuts the lion's mouths. Praise the Lord for those times. But sometimes your supper. <laughs> Praise the Lord for those times too. Trust God anyway. Obey God anyway. Some experiences you'll come through like the named heroes of the faith. Sometimes you're the and others. And you're going through the challenges of life and it's taken its toll. I was going to end our time today playing a song for you that if you grew up in church and studied the story of Daniel, you probably learned. It's a, it's a song called Dare to be a Daniel. And the chorus is, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, and dare to make it known. Well, I did a little bit of study and found out that that song was written by Philip Bliss. If you have a hymnal and you look for Philip Bliss, you'll find he wrote a lot of songs in your hymnal. He wrote Wonderful Words of Life. He wrote Jesus Loves Even Me. He wrote Hallelujah, What a Savior. He even wrote the music for his friend Horatio Spafford's song, It Is Well With My Soul. Didn't know that. Well, in 1873, the children in the church he attended were studying the, the story of Daniel. And he decided that he would then write them this song to help them learn the story of Daniel. Now, he wrote that in 1873. The first time the song, It Is Well With My Soul, was publicly sang was when Philip Bliss sang it at a meeting in November of 1876. In December of 1876, Philip Bliss and his wife Lucy went from Chicago to Pennsylvania to spend Christmas with his mother. And overnight, December 28th into December 29th, they headed back home to Chicago. Their original mode of transportation was delayed because of some kind of, a, of an engine issue. So they took a train, the Pacific Express. The weather was horrendous. There was a blinding snowstorm. I, I found some news reports of this event. They said it was the worst night of the winter. The winds were gale force, snow was blinding, you know, drifts building up. And as the train approached Ashtabula, Ohio, it had to pass over a trestle bridge spanning a river. The snow had piled up on that trestle, and the floodwaters from the river had weakened that trestle so much that when the full train got onto that trestle, the trestle collapsed and the train plunged 75 feet into the river below. Mr. Bliss was able to kick out a window and escape, and when he looked back to find his wife Lucy, he found out that she had gotten trapped in some of the ironwork of the seats of the train. And as he turns around to head back in to help her get out, something sparks, and those passenger cars made out of wood within 10 minutes were all ablaze. And Bliss and his wife die in that fire. And others. 
I, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to make sure that we understand this. Sometimes the lion's mouths are closed. And sometimes you escape the fire. Sometimes it doesn't turn out that way on this earth. Sometimes you're in the and others of Hebrews 11. But in honesty and in fairness to what so many have gone through these last 10 months or so, it's important to say God is with you no matter how it ends up. We know people who have lost jobs, and those jobs aren't coming back. We know people who have lost their businesses, and those businesses won't reopen. You probably know people who've experienced the death of a loved one, and they weren't able even to be with them to hold their hand at the end. And I would not have you leave this lesson thinking, that if you're in those situations, that somehow God loves you less. Or somehow He doesn't care about you. No. The God of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego is also the God of Philip and Lucy Bliss. He's also the God of the and others. And as we stay true to Him in the lion's den of our lives, his evaluation of you will be the world is not worthy of you. So take heart. Be encouraged. God may shut the Daniel, the lion's mouths. He may not. But he is still God. And he is still in control even when it doesn't seem like it. And he is still with you even when you can't feel it there. Stay true. Stay faithful. Hang on to God. He is the God of the and others too. Father, we would like for everything to always end up like the three Hebrew children or Daniel getting out of the lion's den and not having any issues at all. But Lord, some of us have gone through things in the last 10 months. Some of us have gone through things in past years that have left us with scars, that have left us broken, that have left us wondering, God, if you really do love us, if you really do care about us. Lord, I want to pray especially for those today who feel that way, that somehow you would encourage them, that as they stay true to you, as they stay faithful to you, you commend them for their faith. And as far as you're concerned, the world isn't worthy of them. So Lord, encourage us, strengthen us, May we stay true to you no matter what's going on in our lives because you are God, period. And you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our faith. We put our trust in you regardless. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here today. You're dismissed.